It's good to see Rob and Heidi in the house today. Um, go ahead and stand up for a second. This is uh, Brother Rob and Sister Heidi. If those of you don't know, they head up our iKids program. They're our iKids pastors. And, uh, okay, that's good. And I just wanted to appreciate them for a moment because they, uh, they do a lot in the kids' ministry, and a lot of time it goes unseen and you don't see it. And so I appreciate it. The church appreciates what you guys do. Praise the Lord. So once you turn to your neighbor and tell him you look better this week than you did last week, that's for sure. Because that's, that's good to hear whether it's true or not, right? I got a couple little notes I wanted to read here real quick before I get started. Um, if you don't know, we uh, help out an Indian reservation in Montana. Uh, we helped raise $4,000 for them this year to uh, add on to a house because they got about four or five or nine kids there. And we uh, sent them some Christmas gifts, and a lot of you donated for that. And so they finally sent us some little uh, thank you notes. And this is for one of them. It says, thank you for all those new toys. I love them. Hope you're having a warm and cozy Christmas. I would say, he said, and this is from Native White Man. He's a little native boy, but his last name is White Man. <laughs> and this is from Sadie. She goes, Dear Woodland family, thanks for all of those wonderful toys. That was a lot of money that you spent on us. Um, Merry Christmas and God bless. So that was pretty cool. And then Serenity's five years old, and she did a picture and colored it. She says, Woodland family, thank you for the presents. Serenity, five years old. So that was really good. So I want to thank you guys. Give yourself a hand for uh, being a part of that. That's a, that's a really good thing there. So this morning I want to get started with a, a thought that I've had and just been rolling over. And it says, God has a plan and purpose in mind for you. And uh, that we're called to a place, we're not called to a place called comfort, but we're called to a place called servanthood. And a lot of times we come in and we think that we're going to go to church and God's called us just to go to church and, and sit on a, a seat and then that's it. And, and that's not what God's called us to do. And I want to, I want to break that because that's, that's wrong teaching and that's wrong thinking. God has a plan and purpose in mind for your life. And it's not just coming to church. It's not just sitting on a, on, on a seat or if you, ha- you go to a church that's got pews. It's not pews, but there's a, 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 an intentional plan and purpose for your life. And it's up to us to seek that plan and that purpose and find it. John says right here in John 15, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. In 1 Peter, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular people, a peculiar people. And you're to set forth praises with him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called you out of darkness into his light. And he didn't call you just to come to a church and just join and sit there and do nothing the rest of your life, but hear a guy like me or a pastor or someone speak. You have a plan and purpose for your life, and God's design is for you to find that plan and that purpose and put it into practice, put it into use. I believe God has a destiny for the individual, for the family, and the church. I believe God calls individuals and families to a certain church body that they could use their gifts and their abilities to help grow that body and that church to be effective in the work of the church. We can find one of these examples like King David. King David, I think, was called and anointed some 30 years before he took the throne. And then God used his family, his line, all the way down, I think, to bring Christ through. He has a plan and purpose for all of us. He says, what happens when we don't connect to the plan for our life? Well, things of this life become more important than the things of God for our life. We'll hang out with friends. We'll find ourselves doing things that, that are totally contrary to what God wants for our lives. Pretty soon we'll be staying home for football. 
You know, we'll be doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We'll be seeking the things of the world more than the things of God for our life. And God wants you to find his plan and his purpose for your life and invest in those things. Jeremiah 29 11. Everybody knows this scripture. We use it all the time. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope. And Psalm says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. In 16, he says, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days are ordained for me, were written in your book before they even came to be. For we were God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that was in Ephesians. So guess what, guys? There's no mistakes. There's no mistakes in this room. If you've been told in your life that you were a mistake, that, that you were born because of a, a hookup or a mess up, or just there's things in your life maybe that, you know, just messed up in your life, you're, you know, the way, the way you are, some of your habits, your hang-ups, and your generational curses or different things in your life, you're not a mistake. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He says you were wonderfully made, that all the days of your life were ordained before you even came to be. They were set, they were set in advance, and then you were created to do good works in Christ Jesus. So God created a thing for me to do before there was me. There was already something for you to do before there were you. God created you wonderfully with a purpose and a plan in mind for you to do. And guess what? You have to find that plan and purpose. You weren't put here on accident. God didn't just make you and say, what am I going to do with you? There was a plan for your life. It was ordained before you even got here. The problem is we don't go after God's plan for our life. God knows his plan for you, but you don't. You know, we think, God, we, we go back to the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, um, says the Lord. We think, okay, God's got a plan. If it happens, it happens. But we got to read on down here and go, uh, go down past that in Jeremiah where it says, Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. He goes, then when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. And when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you, declares the Lord. And check this out. And I will bring you back from captivity. So there's some things that we have to do in our life for this plan. We have to seek the Lord. We have to pray to the Lord. We have to go to him and seek him with all of our heart. And then this plan for our life will be revealed and and it will be showed to us what we have to do. God's got this certain plan for our life. But there's something we have to do. We have to seek it. And we have to seek it with all of our heart. And then he says he will bring us out of captivity. So guess what? When you start seeking God, when you start getting in church, when you start um, getting involved in his word and not just coming and sitting on a seat, begin to worship God and praise God and seek God and go after his word and hunger and thirst for him, he's going to do some things in your life. He's going to show you your purpose that he planned before, for you before you were even born. And then he says he's going to bring you out of the captivities that you were in, the things that you're going on in your life, the situations you've been involved in. God will begin to bring you out of those things that's held you bound and captive in your life when you begin to seek him and go after him call on me pray to me seek me seek me with all your heart says the lord and i will bring you back from captivity go after the lord with all your heart church there's nothing in this world better than going after the lord with all your heart you can't replace it with money you can't replace it with things It was a doctor, and uh, he was in World War II, and uh, he caught an infection, and he ended up dying. 
And the Lord kind of gave him an out-of-body experience. And he let him walk down this corridor where he, where he saw these bodies laying on this, uh, these gurneys, and they had sheets covered over it, and they had toe tags. And he noticed this one particular toe tag. And he stopped, and he looked at it, and it was his name. And he fell to his knees. And he started crying, and all of a sudden, this, he said, this light appeared in the room, and his voice came from the light. And he says, what did you do for me? And he said, well, I became a doctor, and I helped people. And he said, the voice spoke back to him and said, that glorified you. What did you do for me? And he said, all I could do was cry. And he said, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm not, I've done nothing for you. To make the story short, he went on, and, and the Lord brought him back. And he finished his career out as a doctor, but he also taught and led people to Jesus Christ. He gave his heart to the Lord. Alexander the Great was 32 years old when he died. And by the time he died, he had conquered most of the known world. He was a great strategist. They still study his strategies in uh, military schools to this day. And when he died, he called, before he knew he was getting ready to die, he called his generals to him, and he gave him three wishes that he wanted to, to take place. He wanted his uh, doctors to carry his coffin. He wanted some of his money and pl- uh, the splendors and stuff that he's gotten from conquering all these places to be spread along the walkway of his grave as he's going to his grave, being taken to his grave. And then he wanted his hands to be outside his coffin. And they said, okay, but, th- but why do you want this t- to happen, they asked him. And he says, I want my physicians to carry my coffin because people should realize that no doctor can really cure the body. They are powerless and cannot save a person from the clutches of death. So let no one take life for granted. He goes, the second wish of stowing my gold and silver along, along the way of uh, my burial is to show people that not even a fraction of the gold is going to come with me. I spent all my life earning riches but cannot take anything with me. Let people realize it is a sheer waste of time to chase wealth. And about my uh, third wish, having my hands uh, dangling outside my coffin, I wish people to know that I, can, I came into this world empty-handed, and empty-handed I'll go out of this world. Keep my hands outside so the world knows that this person who conquered and won the world has nothing in his hands when he leaves it. Guys, there's nothing in this life that you can chase, that you can spend all your amount of time doing, outside of Christ that's going to count for anything when you stand before the Lord. It's what you did for the Lord that's going to count. And there's tons of people in the church with talents, gifts, and ability, and they're about doing the things of this world, chasing the things of the world, being involved in the things of the world, and giving God no time in their life whatsoever. The things that are eternal we give no time to, and the things that are temporary we devote, seems like, most of all of our life to. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And when I stand before the Lord, I want him to say, Jeff, well done, thy good and faithful. I don't want to hear him say, what did you do for me? I want to hear him say, well done, well done. In order to do this, we need to develop a hunger for the Lord. Matthew said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Revelations 20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is talking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with that person. And then the psalm says, which is one of my favorite songs, it says, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Got too many notes going here. Spend time with the Lord and develop your relationship with him. Deuteronomy says, seek the Lord your God with all your heart and you will find him with your soul, all your heart, mind, and soul. 
And then John, this is a great scripture because he says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So if we took this room right here, guys, and we filled it with all kinds of new people, and Pastor was sitting right there, and he said, Come here. No one would recognize his voice. If I was in this room with all those people, I would I'd recognize Pastor's voice if he said, Come here. Because I've spent time with him. I've been developed by him. I've, I've been around him my whole life. I've built a relationship with him. He could be right there and say, come here. And I would recognize him over in the corner. I'd recognize it over there. And that's what the Lord's saying to us. He's wanting us to develop a relationship with him, find his, pur- or his purpose for our lives, that we know his voice when he speaks, that he says, hey, come here. I got something for you. I got a plan for you. That you recognize the voice of the Lord when he's talking to you. We're so caught up sometimes in the things of this world and, the, and just the hustle and bustle. When God speaks, we can't even hear him. And sometimes we neglect the word of God so much that even when God speaks, we don't hear him or, we, or the, something speaks to us and we th- it's the voice of the flesh and not even the voice of God. And we think, that we think it's God sometimes. I've had all kinds of people sometimes try to give me advice and you just kind of look at them because you're like, all right, all right, you know, that sounds good. And it's flesh because it's not the spirit because the, sp- the spirit of God, the word of God is not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to his word or his plan or his purpose for your life. That's why it's important to know the plan and purpose for your life. That way when people come and try to uh, get you off course or the enemy tries to steer you off course, you can recognize that that's the enemy or that's the flesh. That's not God's plan for your life because the enemy will try to get you off course. People will try to get you off course. But God wants to keep you on course, and it's through his word that he keeps us on course. A follower of Christ is to be a disciple of Christ. According to Acts, all believers, there we go, are, is Christ's disciple. The, this is kind of funny. I found this out that the word disciple is mentioned 296 times in the New Testament, and the word Christian three times. So the, the New Testament is putting an emphasis on being disciples of Christ more than Christians. You know Why? It's because anybody can call themselves Christians. Everybody calls themselves Christians. You can be a Christian and do whatever you want. There's a difference in being a disciple. That word broken down also means learner. One who learns of the Lord. The encyclopedia of Blake's Bible says, A disciple is someone who follows another person or a way of life who submits himself to the discipline teaching of that leader of that way. See, there's a difference between being a Christian and a disciple. A disciple is someone that's going to learn of the Lord, who's going to follow the Lord, that's going to get into his word and develop that plan and purpose that God has for his life. He's going to be a devout follower. He's going to find God's plan for his life. He's not just going to be satisfied coming and sitting in a seat, but he wants to develop his life in Christ. He wants to find God's purpose for his life because God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And sometimes we don't realize it, but it's to touch other people's lives. It's to make a difference in other people. That plan, he said, they had laid out for us before we even came to be. There's a plan in, your, in his life for you. And it's not just about you. It's about reaching other people, making a difference. That when we stand before him, he'll say, well done, thy good and faithful. The New Testament puts an emphasis on discipleship. Why? It's called the Great Commission. It's found in uh, Matthew 28 and 16. It says, then Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age. And then Acts says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. So we can break down Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria as like woodland, Sacramento, uh, the state of California, um, all these, you know, you can just break that down to like put it where we live at today. God has a plan and a purpose for your life to reach out to the community around you. Not being so inward in a, in a building, in a church, but reaching out to the people around us. And there's a plan for your life to do that. God has a plan. I, I keep want to emphasize that. A plan for your life. We neglect that plan so much. Let me get down here to where I wanted to get to here real quick. This means finding a church family and submitting to the authority of a pastor so you can grow and learn. And why do I want to do this? People don't like that word submit and learn and grow. It's because you make up part of the body of Christ. The church body. First Corinthians says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We make up this church body, but we're also individual um, parts of the, of the body of Christ. God has given the individual gifts and talents and abilities that he wants to grow in the church. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the hands that's going to touch people's lives. Brother White says all the time that sometimes people just need to see Jesus with flesh on. People need someone they can touch that's Christ-like that can show them the love of, of Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants to use you. And the local church is a place to discover and develop the gifts that God's placed in you. See, because gifts are given, but the fruits of those gifts are developed. Yeah. And the church is the place to develop those gifts, or, or those fruits of those gifts, and, the, and the, the potential. Because let me tell you something, the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, gentleness, you, um, the word there, uh, the key word's not suffering, it's long. You know, there's going to be some things you're going to go through in life in order to learn and grow from it. You're just going to have to go through it. Yes. You're just going to have to be developed and go through it. You want to develop someone that uh, doesn't have patience and he needs patience? Tell, I tell you what, go put him in the nursery, a uh, person that don't like kids. <laughs> you know, and say, just sit there, get some long suffering, and grow some patience. Yes. You know? Fruits that are developed in our life. Our potential is developed in our life. You'll never know the potential of a body part because each one of you are part of the body until it's connected to the body. If I cut off my arm and I throw it in the floor, you'll never know the potential of it. It's just worthless. It's no good. It's just sitting there until it's connected to the body. And the problem with the church in a lot of places in the church of this day and age is we have a lot of people that's got gifts and talents that they never discovered, that God intended for them from the beginning to be plugged in to do a work in the church, in the ministry, in the Great Commission, and they're not doing it. And so the church has got a body part over here, plugged in over here, because this person's not there. And so we're, we're taking these parts and we're trying to plug them in different places to be effective. And we've got this thing called Frankenchurch. You know, because we got these body parts all out of place. And God's wanting us to learn his plan and his purpose for our life, that the church can be alive again, that the church can grow in spirit and truth, that when people come in, we'll have the people working in the operation that they need to be in. The right parts are plugged in the right place, that there'll be power in the church again for deliverance, for healing, for setting people free, for reaching out and doing the Great Commission. And part of this is finding your plan and purpose that God has for you. That's why it's so important. That's why I hate to see people come in the CR, you know, and they're there for like a week or a month, and, you know, God's touching them. And all of a sudden, they go back out, and they start hanging out with their old hangouts and their friends, and next thing you know, they're gone. And they never got a chance to, to develop the potential that God has for them. It hurts my heart. 
And it hurts my heart to see the church sometimes half full because we got people that are hit and miss because the things of the world's more important than the gift and call of God on their life and the plan that he has for them. And they're so caught up in chasing the things of this world and the things um, that are so important to them instead of the things that God has for them. He says, I have a plan for you set way back before you even were. And we chase those things instead of God's plan. And then the church hurts because of it. People hurt because of it. Because there's people that God's got designed just that you'll reach. Just that you'll reach, Heidi. Just that you'll reach, Brother Gary. And we need to develop the things in our life so we'll be effective in witnessing for for the Lord. Effective in the Great Commission. Seeing the church grow into the the thing that God wants it to be before he calls the church home. 1 Corinthians says, But now indeed there are many members yet of one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, that I have no need of you. Uh, No, much rather that those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And my thought on that is, no matter how small you may think you are, no matter how big your potential or how small it may, may be, you're vital to the church. You're important to the church. God's got a gift and a plan that he put in purpose for your life, and he wants to develop it because you're important to the body of Christ. You have a place in God's body. You have a place in God's church. And it's to grow this place, to make every seat filled, to see lives changed in our community, uh, lives touched, families saved, families delivered. You may be the key for your whole family getting saved. When they see a change in you, maybe the change will take place in them. But we have to seek those things of God first in our lives. I'm going to close with this. This was kind of short. I thought it was going to go longer than what I uh, thought it was. It sounded good in the shower, praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> it was coming. <laughs> you said that in the sh- shower, I can get anointed sometimes, man. Even give an altar call. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like really, really good. But I'll go ahead and have the worship team come back up. But I want to close with a, a thought right here. Um, um, Timothy, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy is talking to Timothy. And he's, he, he says this to him. He goes, When I called you to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you. Therefore, I remind you to steer up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Sometimes, guys, we don't develop our gifts we don't use what God's given us because we give in to a spirit of fear. And I can tell you right now, I can, I can relate to that because I've wasted so many years of my life sitting in a seat bound by fear and insecurity. I wasted a lot of years that I could have been serving the Lord and being fruitful and learning and going through those steps of, of being developed in a church because of fear in my life. But finally, one day, I decided, you know what? God's got a plan for my life. Amen. And I'm not going to be bound by fear no more. Yeah. But I'm going to let God try to do some work in my life and start yielding my life to the Lord. And it's the same thing with you guys. Don't be bound by fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Don't be bound by the things in your life that make you think that you're weak, that, uh, 
that you don't count for anything because you do count. You're a vital part of the body of Christ. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And Paul told Timothy to steer it up. A lot of us are like this paint can. It got like three drops of color put in here. And I can take this can and I can sit it on this seat. And I can sit it on this seat. And I can sit it on that seat. And I can even take it into another church across town and I can sit it there. And to another church. And guess what? It's still going to have those drops of paint put in there. Just like God's dropped talents and gifts in your life. But guess what? It will never come to color until we begin to start steering it. Steering it in our life. God's put gifts and talents in our life. But unless we just, we just let it sit there, it's just going to be a can uh, with potential. But once we start steering it up, like Paul told Timothy, steer up the gift of God in your life. Then things will start happening in your life. Things will start changing in your life. And God wants you to have things in your life that start changing. Start steering up the gift of God in your life. Start letting the Spirit of the Lord deal with you. Get rid of those insecurities. Realize that God's got a plan and purpose. And he wants to make a beautiful color in your life. That will not only affect you, but it affects the whole church because you're a part of the body of Christ. We make up the whole body of Christ. And when one, one member hurts, the whole member hurts. When you're not here, the church is affected. I can't stand it when we have wishy-washy Christians, people that hit and miss because they're lukewarm. They're here one week and they're not here the next week. It's, it's hard trying to count on people like that. And guess what? God wants to count on you. He wants to trust you. He wants to invest in you. But you've got to be faithful. That's a test every servant of the Lord has to pass. It's called faithfulness. Faithful. God can't use you if you're not even faithful to show up. And a lot of times the best part of the service is the altar service. Because this is when we can come down and say, Lord, do some fixing in my life. Because we all need some fixing in our lives. You know what I mean? Don't, don't walk out on an altar service. Let the, let, let the Spirit of the Lord touch you. Work out some things in your life. A lot of times, this is the only opportunity people get to even pray. Take advantage of the opportunities in your life, church, for God to touch you and speak to you. They're precious, every one of them. They're precious. So with every head bowed, let's stand. You know, and I just... I just want people to get that thought that the Lord has a plan and purpose for your life and mind. And he wants you to come after him. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to seek him with all your heart. And you can have all the potential in your life. You can have the greatest plan ever. But if you never seek the Lord to develop that plan in your life, it will be a life wasted. I don't care if you gain the whole world, the Bible says, but if you lose your own soul, what have you gained? The Lord wants to develop you. He wants to use you. He loves you so very much that he gave his only son to take your place. And he called you by name. And if you're here today and you feel like you've just been like that person that just sits in a church service with no purpose, no plan, I'm here to tell you God's got a purpose and he's got a plan for you and he wants to develop it. And God sees you a lot different than the way you see yourself. You may see yourself broken and messed up, 
and no good and not worth anything. But God sees you as a pearl of great price. He sees you developed. He sees you with the talent. And he loves you so very much. So if you're here today and you need prayer, I would like to just to call the, uh, the, the uh, people that helps us pray here, our other ministers and Brother White and Pastor. And like t- uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he laid hands on him to stir up the gift. We want to just lay hands on you and stir up the gift of God in your life. We won't embarrass you. I believe in prayer. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe on laying on hands. We believe in a transferring or transferable anointing to stir up things in your life, to stir up the gift of God in your life. If you're here today and you're sick in body, you need prayer, we'd like to pray with you. And most important of all, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's very simple. You just ask him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and wash him away. And you'll be a new person in Christ. And you'll be a part of that family of God. But then it's up to you to develop the call of God in your life. So if you're here today and you'd like prayer, we'd like to come uh, have you come on up.